you for tuning in to the New Vision Podcast. Our prayer is that this talk builds your faith, brings clarity, and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. God, we'll take that freedom this morning. Lord, we'll take all that you're offering us today. God, we'll walk in that freedom. Father, thank you for freeing us, for releasing us from the chains that we put on ourselves at times, from chains and weights that we picked back up. Lord, this morning, we want your freedom. We want your presence. We need that. So God, I pray that this morning, that you would continue to remind us that we don't have to be bound. We don't have to pick those chains back up. We can be free because of who you are. But we thank you for this time that we've we've got to spend in your presence singing songs about your greatness, about your power, about your freedom. And I pray that you would continue to speak to our hearts as we look into your word in a few moments. God, we thank you. We thank you for today and these moments together. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Can you make a little bit of noise for the Lord this morning? I wish in those moments I was the drummer because I liked how Sam was on that kick. Doom, 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 doom. Like, there's a reason why I believe that God didn't give me musical talent or the ability to sing. I would be a train wreck, man. You would never hear me talk. I would just sing and play instruments all the time. Like that would, that's why I can't do any of those things. Oh, thank you so very much for being here today. We are in one of my favorite series of all time. And since we've been here seven months, I can say that with all honesty. I love my church. I love my church. This is such a great series. And I'd like to start you out with a few reasons why we love our church. Check this out. The reason why I love my church is I love Pastor, I love Jay, I love Dick, I love Jim, I love all the people here. Why I love my church. Pastor Kevin, his wife, Melissa, and all the friendly people since I started coming here almost a year ago. And I'm very appreciated that everybody has accepted me for who I am. Thank you, and God bless you all. Um, I love my church because it feels like family when you walk in the door. Thank you, Pastor Kevin and Mel. Yes, thank you. I love my church because um, the love from the people here is genuine, and I can wear my hat inside. I love my church because of the people here. They're wonderful people, and they have helped me and my family more than I can ever imagine. Thank you. And I love God and I feel more comfortable here than any other church I've been to and feel closer to God here than any other church I've been to. A new vision, I feel like a little seed and new vision is the water that allows me to grow. All right, let's see if I got, I thought I had, I thought I messed with my mic. Oh man, thank you so very much for taking time to film those. And each week I would love to show why you love our church. And so if you want to record your reason today, you finally have the right words for some of you, the right outfit, your hair looks just right. Um, After service for about 10 minutes, it'll be really quick. You can go to the conference room, which is right out here to my left, your right, and you can film your reason why you love our church. Um, But you have to do it quickly because after today, we have our business meeting uh, starting about 10 minutes after we get done. So, man, 
I love my church. This has been a great series. Last week, we unpacked one of our core values of our church, which is risky faith. And last week was an incredible Sunday. It was just such a great feeling as, as we walked out talking about the kind of faith that God wants us to have, the kind of faith that can be grown, the kind of faith that is risky. And today, I want to talk to you about community. Community. And when you think about the words community, I want you to think of it in a couple of different ways. Community is one, the people that you are connected to, the relationships that you are forming that carry you through life. And then I also want you to think of it as a community here. We are the body of Christ. We are the church. This is a community. And I love, I love this thought, honestly, because if you look around this room this morning, there's probably no real reason why all of us should be sitting in the same room. But it's so great that I can look and see this community and know that the one thread that has connected all of us is Jesus. That we don't have to look alike, dress alike, be alike, think alike. It all falls to the wayside because of the one common thing that we have, and that's Jesus. I love that this is the community that I get to be a part of and the community that I get to lead. Can I pray once again before we get into the word? God, I pray that uh, you would... Speak community and life to us this morning. That, God, you would challenge us. If there are areas that you are hoping that we connect more, if you are, are speaking to us this morning, that we would be willing to listen to what you have to say. As we spend time around your word, I ask that it would sink deep into who we are and it would change us. It would move us further and move us closer to being who you created us to be. God, we thank you for the moments that we get to spend together. We ask that you would continue to to be in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Have you seen these new Facebook ads lately? They had a really big one during the Super Bowl and a little bit afterwards, but Facebook right now is pushing their groups. They have all of these different ads for, for Basset Hounds. They have one all about rocks and the different kind of rocker that you can be from sitting in a chair to playing heavy metal. They have all of these things, and they say this, that no matter what it is, whatever your passion, what you like, what you want to be connected to, there's a group for that. It seems as if Facebook knows that we're meant to be together, that we're meant to connect, and they're trying to get us to connect with people who have the same interests, the same passions, the same desires. They want us to be connected. They have figured out that there is a need for community that is deep inside of all of us, that we need relationship with other people, that we want to share experiences together, because at the end of it all, life is made up of relationships and experiences. You want a full life? How about the relationships that you have connected to who you are? How about the experiences that you get to share with those connections? Life is full. Life is lived best when we share those relationships and connections, those experiences all together, because we're all really wanting to connect. We may not say it. We might not carry a sign that says, I'm looking for a place to belong. We may not wake up in the morning wishing it. Some of us do, but we never tell anyone. We all want to connect. We all want to be able to look around and say, this is home. These are, these are my people. You know what? I can, I can finally just be me. I don't have to pretend. I can accept. I can be accepted right here in this place. And as we continue to build here, it is my heart that this becomes a community where we don't just go to church together but that we live life together. That's what's important. 
And as I begin to think about community and how to, how to share it with you this morning, I, I want to take you all the way back to the beginning where I feel like community is shown to us. That if we go back far enough, we will see that there's intention in the design of how we were put together. It's almost as if community was part of it. You see, in the very beginning, if you turn to page one of your Bible, it tells us that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the next few verses, it talks about what the earth was like and that the spirit of God was fluttering upon the face of the deep. And then God the Father spoke up and he said, let there be light. And each day he created different things. And on the sixth day, he got around to you and me. And I want to show you the words that he used when it came to designing us. In Genesis 1.27, these words are the words used for us. Let us make man in our image. Let that sink in for a moment. Let us make man in our image. It doesn't say, let me make man in my image. It says our image image. You see, even from the beginning, we notice that, that there's this trinity, there's three Godheads, there's, there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit that's existing. And when it comes time to create man, they say, let us make man in our image. All wrapped up in one, this perfect embodiment of unity, of community, of relationship. It was there from the beginning, all of it. There's an us beneath it all. That when you dig down deep enough into who I am, there is an us inside there because I am made in their image. There is an us and an our. It's not a me and a my. I'm not meant to be alone as God created us. He put that part inside of each and every one of us. And some of us are like, man, I'd, I'd rather it not be like that. I'm good all by myself. Well, most of us can say that for a little while. But when times get hard... Being strong on my own doesn't feel like I'm being strong on my own. It just feels like being alone. Let me get back. Let me show you one other thing. So we see from the very beginning there's intention. And then a little bit later on, John tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning and lets us know that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. What's he talking about, the Bible? No, 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 he's talking about Jesus. Jesus shows up, begins to live his life in front of all of us. And he does this for a couple of reasons. One is so Jesus can give us a picture of who God is. He tells the disciples that if you know me, you know the Father. That if you want to get to know who God is, get to know who I am. Let me show you how he works, how he walks, how he loves, how he treats people. Watch me, you can see the Father. And then he also shows up to show us how we can live life how we can have victory, how we can walk in it, how we can rely on God, how we can be connected to him. And it's very interesting that, that he chooses to do life a certain way. Let me show you this in Mark chapter three. You don't have to turn here. We're just, this is just the ramp. Like I'm, I'm ramping up this morning and we're gonna get there in a moment. Check this out. In Mark chapter three, it says, he went up on the mountain and summoned those who he himself wanted. And they came to him and he appointed 12 so that they would be with him and he could send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out demons. And as we read those verses, there's some significant things going on. We can look at, at the moments where Jesus says he's taking them up to the mountain. And as we look through scripture, some of the most incredible moments ever happen on a mountain. 
You think about Moses and, and the Ten Commandments. You think about even the, the Sermon on the Mount. You think of moments where Jesus and people go away to the mountain, and on top of that mountain they have a God experience. And we see that here. There's significance here. He calls 12 people to be disciples. There's significance in that number. Could it be one for every 12, one for every tribe? That's significant. We're writing these things. Oh, this is great. And then we look at what's he have them do. He gives them power to go out and do ministry. He gives them authority over demons. He does this so that they can go and have this incredible ministry. And we're like, yes, sign me up for power and authority. I got that. I feel like sometimes if that's what it was all about, that I would be just like James and John, that if people gave me the side, I'd be like, Jesus, can we call down fire today? Today, them over there, yep, yep. They said mean things. They looked at me wrong. The power and authority, and we write that down. Oh, man, that's significant. Sometimes I feel like we miss one part, one simple phrase that's in these verses. You see, is. As Jesus shows up here on earth, he, he's God, right? He's the savior of the world. He doesn't need people. He doesn't need an entourage. He doesn't need a crew. He doesn't need followers. He doesn't need disciples. He doesn't need any of that. But he chooses 12 men to be with him. Notice before any, any job is given out, before any authority is given out, before any ministry is given out, it's simply just to be together. That as Jesus is showing us how we're supposed to live life, he could have chosen to do it any way he chose to share his life and his life's purpose with 12 men. To walk together, to talk together, to learn together, to be with him. And a few chapters later, we see him send them out to do ministry, and he did not send them out alone. He sent them out with other people. Life is not meant to be lived alone. It's not meant to be done alone. We see this time and time again. And, and I love that even when God wants to do something in us and through us, those aren't just the only two ways. He wants to do things with us. He invites us to be a part of the things that he's doing. He wants to enjoy it with us. He wants to go with us as we do life, as we do ministry. And that's what we're created to be like. We're supposed to have community. We're supposed to be together. I want to show you a, a story this morning that can give us an idea of, of how community can look and what it really looks like and what we can do together. So now if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 5. We're going to spend the rest of our time together in an incredible story. This starts in verse 17. It says, One day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby, and it seemed that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat, and they tried to take him inside to Jesus. The beginning of, of this story shows us that where Jesus is, tons of people were at. The book of Mark, as it tells this story, lets us know that Jesus is in Capernaum. He's at home. This was more than likely his base of ministry, his base of operation, and it was probably at Peter's house. That was probably where he set up shop. But what is noticeable is this story doesn't happen at a temple. The story doesn't happen in the, in the temple courts. This story doesn't happen in the synagogue. It doesn't happen anywhere like that. It happens at somebody's house. And it reminds me this, that wherever Jesus is, that's where we need to be. 
That's where I I want to be. His power and his presence makes all the difference. Notice the wording of these scriptures that says that Jesus's power for healing was huge that day. It was big that day. It was strong that day. There was an immense amount of power that Jesus has. Why would we not want to be where Jesus is? We will be a community that chooses to gather together. That when we come together, it's going to be, we want Jesus to be the point. When we come here on Sundays, know that we have spent time asking Jesus to show up, inviting his spirit here, inviting the presence and the power of Jesus to be in this place. Not just because we want it to be here, but because we need it to be here. It's not optional for me. It's not something that I hope happens. It's something that I need to happen in who I am. I need to show up and experience the presence of God and experience his power. And it's not just something to hope I get to see. It's something that I hope we all get to experience. There's a difference. We can choose to have expectations or we can choose to sit back and spectate. Spectators get to see what's going on. Contributors get to be a part of what's going on. I can tell the story from that happened to them, or I can tell the story from this happened to us. We want to be a place that experiences Jesus, that wherever Jesus is, that's where we want to be. He's not constrained. He's not restrained to where I think he should show up, where he should be. He's not restrained to this building. His presence is bigger than that. It's greater than that. And so I know that I should be looking for him everywhere that I go. And as we, as a community, gather together, he's going to be the point. And so later on this year, when we have small groups, we're going to gather together to experience Jesus. When we take retreats together, we're going to gather together to experience Jesus. That no matter where we go, when we come together, experiencing him is the point. We're going to, ga- we're going to be a community that gathers for a purpose. I want to be looking for where he is. I mean, why, why wouldn't I want to be where everything can change? Because his power is available There's peace that I could have. There's forgiveness that I could have. There's love that's available. There's redemption available. Impossible begins to disappear and everything becomes a possibility because Jesus is in the room. And one other incredible thing happens. The more that we gather together and experience him, the more that I begin to notice the changes that are in other people. The more I begin to see how they're growing and how they're becoming who God has created them to be, the more we begin to realize that it's not just when we gather together, but it's when we begin to walk together that community happens. See, walking together is really where life happens. It's where life is lived. Think about how this man got to Jesus. He could have wanted to get there. But unless someone was willing to walk with him there, someone's willing to carry him there, he wasn't going to go anywhere. In fact, his life was more than likely the result of what people were willing to do with him and for him. Walking together is where life is lived. In It amazes me that these guys were willing to not just walk with this man, but carry him to see Jesus. And the more that I I look at this and the more I think about this, I'm willing to bet this, that their decision to carry him and walk with him to Jesus wasn't based on just that day. That as they were maybe making their way to Jesus, they saw this man and thought, oh, you know what? Hey, let's all inconvenience ourselves and carry this guy 
you grab one side, you grab another, I'll grab one side. We'll just all walk together. We'll pick him up and go. Who is the guy? I don't know, but hey, what else do we got to do today? I, I, would, I would bet it wasn't that. It wasn't built on that day. I would be willing to wager some things that the, their decision to carry him that day was built on a relationship they had formed already. That those four men were already somewhere connected to him that he could rely on them. And so the desire to get to where Jesus was, to gather together, they were able to help walk that out because they were already in relationship. Can I, can I tell you this, that relationships that will help you through tomorrow have to be built today. You see, sometimes we, we, the need shows up and we're like, where is everybody at? Why does anyone care that I'm going through this? Did I set myself up in a way that people have access to what's going on in my life? Am I indicting people for information that they have no idea what's going on? But I'm upset and I'm angry because I'm all alone. But I didn't build any relationships ahead of time. I only was waiting for when the need arose. And most of us, if we're honest, we don't respond well when people only call when they need something. We're all giggling. Most of us just had the last phone call pop through our mind, the last text message pop through our mind. Hey, love you. Can I have 20 bucks? Man, my day is going good too. Thank you for that. <laughs> the relationships that we will need tomorrow, we have to build them today. That man couldn't have had the idea the weeks before that Jesus was going to show up, but I guarantee you the relationships were built and they carried him through the moment that Jesus showed up. He had someone there willing to carry him, willing to walk with him. And the truth of the matter is we may not be as paralyzed as him, but there will come a day when each of us will need other people to carry us on our mat. We will need someone to slow their pace and walk with us and journey with us as we go through the things that life has thrown at us to help us to get to Jesus. But when we choose to walk together, that's where incredible things can happen. One of my favorite things to do is to go on walks with Mel. It's one of her love languages. I know walking together is not really in those categories of the five love languages, but anytime I can say, babe, do you wanna go for a walk? She's in. And she comes to life. Now, once I get her to walk at my pace, because she walks super fast, and I do not, once we agree on the pace, incredible things happen. We have this opportunity to slow down, to talk, to open up. I get to hear not just how her day was, but how her heart is doing how she feels like she's connecting with God, what, what things that maybe God is asking her to do or, or things that I'm trying to say, hey, you should probably, and she's like, stop it. And then we keep walking and talking. We get to have these open exchanges that sometimes don't happen unless we're together walking. See, when, when we take the time to walk with someone, we take the time to actually live life with them. We take our moments to get to know them and they get to know us. We look for opportunities where we can share, where we see them. We talk with them. Encouraging things can be said because I know that today, Josh, you were having a rough day and I can, I can call you. I can text you and say, man, I hope that today is better than yesterday. You got this. I can tell you that tomorrow is going to be even better. I can say things because I got to know you a little bit better and know that yesterday was really rough, but that only happens as we walk together. That only happens as we're willing to ask questions. Can you this year be willing to slow your pace? 
can you use the faith that God is asking you to have this risky faith to form relationships with people? Maybe that's stepping out of the boat. Maybe it's opening yourself up to relationships, new relationships, or deeper relationships. We say, but Pastor Kevin, you don't know my story. You're right, I don't. But I would venture to say that almost all of us in this room have been hurt. That almost all of us have been betrayed by people. They've let us down. They've disappointed us. Jesus knows how that feels too. Look at the 12 people that he picked. They left him. They abandoned him. They betrayed him. He knows what that feels like. And guess what? If we choose to walk with people, he's still choosing to walk with us as we do that. And that's the relationship. As we begin to love God, as I begin to walk with him, he enables me to walk with other people. The love God and love other people, that's a real thing. And it happens best if I get my relationship great with him and then explore that with other people. And I get we all have reasons why we can't. I, I can't because I'm busy. I got all these things. I get that. But can we be willing to have enough faith that maybe God wants to do something in the area of community in our life that we need to make it a priority to sit down and have coffee with someone once a month? Some of you love to grill. You love to barbecue. You brag about it during the spring and the summer. Oh, you need to get my ribs. You don't know nothing about what I got. Some, I've heard this already. What if this year, as you're making your world-famous ribs that only your family has ever had, <laughs> as you're doing that, maybe pray about inviting a couple other families over that day. Maybe you do that once in the spring, once in the summer. I'm not asking you to, to overhaul all of your life. I'm just asking you to have enough faith to open up, maybe just one or two opportunities a month. What could God do with those? What could he grow in us? Could he begin to make our lives feel like what we see happening in Philippians 2? That it's not just a text that we read about community is lived out, but we begin to realize how it feels to be loved by other people, to be loved by God, to walk with people, to talk with people, to be encouraged by them. And I get to do the same, to have someone that's willing to go the distance with you. Someone that when they know that something's going on in your life, and if they have the means to help you, they help you. We get to experience this as we walk together. And when we walk together, when someone trips and falls, the beauty of that is that you have a hand ready to help pick you up. That you don't have to dust yourself off all by yourself. You have someone willing to stop and help you heal and help you process through and help you continue to walk towards where Jesus is at. And this isn't about rushing. So many of us, our life is so fast, we have no idea how to slow down. This isn't what I'm talking about. I'm talking about walking at the pace of whoever you're walking with. For Mel, sometimes it's really hard. I have to ask her every now and then, would you like to walk with me today or no? No? But see, when we walk out life with people, some of us are worried that we're not moving fast enough for other people and that we'll get left behind. That maybe if I tell them that I'm experiencing pain today because of a loss, that they might leave me behind. That if I tell them last night I struggled with that same addiction that I thought I was free from, that they may just leave me behind. That the struggles that I'm having, the limp that I'm having, the pace that I'm at, they're going to sprint away from me. But here's where community happens. We actually begin to slow down in those moments. And remind people that when it's the toughest, when it's the hardest, you'll have someone standing next to you, not someone that's waving goodbye to you. We're not alone. We're here to walk together. Let's keep on in the story. 
Verse 19, it says they couldn't reach him. They were trying to get to Jesus. They couldn't reach him because of the crowd. Everybody was gathering together. So they went up on the roof. They took off some tiles. They lowered the sick man down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. And seeing their faith, Jesus said to the young man, your sins are forgiven. Something incredible happens in this moment. Something probably even unexpected as these guys are getting there, as they're showing up to meet with Jesus, they're walking with their friend, they're carrying him, they know he needs Jesus and they can't get there. And instead of shrugging their shoulders and walking away and said, well, we tried, let's go home. Instead of doing that, they did something that I hope will capture your heart. Something that when I read this, I think, oh, I want to be one of those people. I want to have a community of people that will do this. That when there's a problem getting to Jesus, when it seems like we can't get there to Jesus, that there will be four or five people around me that will roll up their sleeves and say, hold on, this isn't the end of the story. Let me get a little bit dirty. Let me stand with you and fight with you so that we can get to Jesus. I hope we'll be a community that will fight together. Because that's what we see here. That we don't just tell someone that we'll believe with them or that we'll believe for them, but we'll believe with them. That we're willing to stand and fight with them. That when there's an obstacle, we're willing to help them break through. We're not just going to stand by and watch them struggle, scraping by, hoping to get to Jesus. We will jump in and help them get there. That we will be willing to lose sleep because someone has contacted us and asked us to pray with them. That I would be willing to show up and stand next to someone and hold their hand through some of the hardest times in their life because I would want someone to do that for me. That I'll fight with them and let them know you're not in this alone. You'll never be alone. I'm willing to be here. You don't have to do this all by yourself. There's not strength in being alone. There's strength in numbers. Because when I'm weak, you're not. When I'm weak, you're not. When you're weak, I'm not. And we get to carry each other through because we've chosen to fight together because it's us. It's not you. It's not me. It's us together. And this morning, we want to do something together. If there's something going on in your life this morning, you say, you know what, Pastor Kevin, I, I just need, I need Jesus to intervene. I need to take this to him this morning. Normally we do prayer. We have people come down to the front. We didn't do that this morning. And maybe some of you thought, man, I was hoping I'd get an opportunity to pray today. I want to do it a little bit different today. And so today you came in, there's an obstacle in front of you. There's something going on. I don't know what it is. I don't need to know what it is. Jesus does. But if that's you this morning, you say, Pastor Kevin, man, I need prayer today. Would you stand with me or raise your, if you can't stand up, will you, will you raise your hand? Because we want to do something special this morning. Go ahead. If you need Jesus, stand to your feet or raise your hand. If you can't stand up, you have an obstacle, a need. There's something going on in your life that you feel like, I don't know if I can make it today. This is overwhelming me. It's crazy. I need something to happen today. Now watch this. If you are nearby, someone who is standing or has their hand raised, if you raise your hand, you better keep it up. If you are near someone who is standing or has their hand raised, move from where you are and stand with them and let's fight with them. I don't want you to ask them what to pray for. I just want you to pray for them. I don't, you don't need to know their name. If you don't know them, that doesn't matter. What matters is that you're willing to stand next to them. You're willing to fight with them. You're willing to bring their need, their case, their cause to Jesus. Let's dig through the walls this morning. Let's remove some tiles and the obstacles that someone may be facing so that we can get them to Jesus this morning.
Jesus, we thank you. Lord, we thank you that there isn't a moment that goes by in our lives that you aren't already paying attention to. And so God, this morning, as we took a stand with people that needed you, Lord, I am so grateful that you're in this place. And I'm so excited to hear stories of what happens after today. Lord, of whatever the need may have been, that people may have been healed this morning, that there's a job that they're gonna get next week. There's something around the corner they have no idea, but God, you are already working on it. You are already bringing it about. You are already healing. There are things that are changing because we chose today to be a community that fights together, that stands together, that believes together, that prays together. And so God, we honor you and we thank you for this morning. I believe that things are are changing, that Jesus is up to something for you and on your behalf. Can you just lift up your voices and thank him this morning? Come on, if you believe that God could do something, that your miracle is on its way, that your change is on its way, that your heart is being mended. Just give me about six more minutes. Go ahead and sit back down. Sit back down. I know I got you ready. Here's the last thing. There's a reason why at the end of that prayer time, I'm asking you to lift your voices together. You see, as Jesus gets in front, as a man gets in front of Jesus, everything changes. He restores the man's soul first. He addresses the biggest need. He doesn't just care what's going on with us. He cares for us. And he addresses the biggest concern, the biggest need first. And as he tells him that his sins are forgiven, that's, that's when the religious people pipe up and they're like, wait, 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 wait. You cannot say those kinds of things. You can't do those kinds of things. Jesus, I'm, I don't know um, what you think you're doing, but that's something that only God can do. You see, in this moment, they had, they had an option they could have believed that they had just witnessed something incredible, something that they've never seen before, or they could judge. They could say why it couldn't happen and why it couldn't happen for this person and who deserves it and who doesn't deserve it. And as they're talking about what Jesus can't do, this is how he responds. Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or to stand up and walk? And so I'll prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And immediately as everyone watched the man jumped up, picked up his mat, he went home praising God. And everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe. And they praised God, exclaiming, we have never seen things like this. We have seen amazing things today. I hope. Hope that we will be a community that gathers together, that walks together, that fights together, and that celebrates together. See, not only did Jesus take care of what paralyzed the man physically, he took care of what was paralyzing him spiritually. And that leads me to tell you this morning, no, no matter how you felt like when you walked in, if you felt like you couldn't breathe, like you couldn't walk, that you were paralyzed this morning, that you might have walked in or came in on a mat, but you can walk out on your feet today. That there's nothing that he can't handle for you. And as these things began to happen, 
as people give their lives to Christ, as we pray with them, as we ask God to do the impossible, at the end of these moments that we will choose, we will choose first to celebrate. That instead of of looking at someone crazy, "Ah, I don't know if that's going to work for them. I know where they were at last night. I know this. I know that. Instead of throwing doubt into the situation, instead of throwing shade on people, we would be willing to throw parties and celebrate. We would be willing to to picture that's the person that we've been praying for the last five years, that that's my son, that's my daughter, that's my husband, that's my wife that came down. How much of a party would you want to throw if it was them? That when we see life change, we celebrate life change. It's not about perfection. It's about the steps that we're taking towards God, that we're willing to be together, walk together, stand together, and we're willing to celebrate. Now, we're not perfect And I still love my church because I love who we're becoming. I love that we're willing to come together. We're willing to gather, to walk, to fight, and to celebrate. One of the greatest parts of this story is as we see this community thing happening, as as these men do their job as a community, God does his job supernaturally. As they gather, walk, fight, They get to Jesus and he heals. He doesn't just give advice. He changes everything. And then they begin to celebrate. As we begin to make this place a community, as we begin to love each other and forgive each other and encourage each other and walk together and believe the best in each other, as we begin to put all of those pieces together, God will continue to show and demonstrate his power and his presence in this place. It will be like we're living in Acts chapter 2, that as we get all of that together, we see the end of chapter 2 says, and then signs and wonders followed and people were added to their numbers daily. Can you imagine for a moment the person that you were praying for? The person that that you know needs Jesus the most, that if today was their day, if they walked into this place and felt like this could be home, that they could belong here, that they could walk with people, that they would have people that would fight with them, they would choose Jesus. Isn't that where you would want to be? Isn't that what we hope happens in this place? Would you stand with me this morning as we close this portion of the service? There's always going to be a question that I ask at the end of this. How are you in Jesus today? If you just close your eyes for a moment, just allowing God to speak to your heart. Today may be your day. The day that you finally give him your life the day that he changes everything if you'll let him. Maybe he's whispering your name. Maybe you feel your heart beating a certain way because he wants to be in relationship with you. He wants you. He loves you. He gave everything for you. And I'm going to pray a prayer, and I would ask for everyone to repeat it. And if you mean what we're about to pray, everything can be different for you. Would you pray with me and say, Jesus, today I choose you. I give you all of my faults, all of my fears, all of my mess ups, all of my sin. 
because I know you can handle it. I believe you died for my sins. And I thank you for giving me new life today. I will follow you. I will give you my best. I will give you my hopes and my dreams, all of me for the rest of my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, in in a second, I'm going to ask who really prayed that prayer. I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it this morning, I want you to shoot your hand up in the air and there will be a celebration that erupts in this place because we know that people have came home today for the first time or the hundred and first time. None of that matters. It simply matters that your heart is being restored to Jesus. So when I get to three, shoot your hand up in the air. One, we're almost there. Jesus wants to change what's on the inside. We're at two. We're at two. Are you ready for newness? Are you ready for a new life? Three, if you prayed that prayer, raise your hand this morning. Come on, let's celebrate together. Let's worship together. Our prayer is that this message impacted you. Please share your story and partner with us financially at newvisiongrandview.com.